This morning it is my privilege to introduce to you our 2014 Simpson Lecturer. He is a friend of Acadia Divinity College. He is an author, a scholar, a pastor, a follower of Jesus. Scott Gibson is the Haddon Robinson Professor of Preaching and Ministry. He is the director of the Haddon Robinson Center for Preaching and director of the THM program in preaching at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in South Hamilton, Massachusetts. He's a native of Western Pennsylvania, attended Pennsylvania State University, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Princeton Theological Seminary, the University of Toronto, and the University of Oxford. Upon his return from Britain in 1985, he served as pastor and interim pastor at churches in both Pennsylvania and New York. He has authored numerous books and journal articles. He is an ordained Baptist minister. He has been very involved in terms of the uh, scholarly uh, homiletics uh, groups. He is past president and co-founder of the Evangelical Homiletics Society, a member of the Academy of Homiletics and the Evangelical Theological Society. He's one of the founders of Cornerstone Pastors Network. Uh, he and his wife, Rhonda, live in Beverly, Massachusetts. And so it's my privilege to welcome Scott Gibson as our preacher this morning. Well, thank you very much for the privilege of being here today and also throughout this week as we have been talking about the matter of character in preaching. And uh, when you hear an introduction like this one that I was just given, I appreciate these words, but in some ways, uh, it, for my listeners, will often spell B-O-R-I-N-G. <laughs> when I was a, a student studying at Oxford, I had the opportunity of being in the preaching society when we would go to different churches and preach here and there. And uh, some Sundays I would go out to preach and other times I would visit churches. On this particular day I was visiting a church and uh, after the service a, a young couple came up to me and asked me if I would like to have dinner with them. They were from Wales and uh, had their two little boys with them. And so off we went to their house and I like to eat. Looks like you all like to eat. And so I went and I sat there in the living room because they asked me if I wouldn't mind taking care of the boys while they put the final touches on the meal. So I was in the living room there and we were chatting and one of the little boys was on my lap and the other one was up on my shoulders and on the floor and they were crawling all over me. And finally one of the little boys was straddled across my lap and he looked at me in my eyes and he said in his little Welsh voice, Where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Pennsylvania. And he paused and he said, oh, you look like a pencil. <laughs> well, I hope you get the point of what I have to say today. <laughs> there are passages that we knock ourselves into and knock, our, knock themselves into us. And these passages become passages that walk with us throughout our lives. 
whether we're young or older, there are passages that seem to stick into our brains like uh, uh, glue or, uh, or some kind of uh, carpet tape. They're there. They're sticking in our hearts and our heads and they become favorites for us. Now, if I were to uh, ask you what your favorite scripture would be, what scripture would it be that has helped to sustain you in your own life? Has it helped to buoy you up as you move through the difficulties or the delights of, of life? What, what passage would that be? Some folks would say, well, my favorite passage is John 3.16 because it was a passage that helped to clarify for me what it means to become a believer. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. No, no, no. Somebody else says, no, no. My favorite passage is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Someone else may elbow in and say, uh-uh, no, mine. <laughs> mine is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside stones. You know, these passages are passages that are almost like soul lozenges. They are words that we place once again into our minds and they bring a sense of, of calm and, and encouragement as we walk through life. It's these passages that uh, make a difference in our lives. And there's a passage that has made a difference in mine. It's a passage that I came across when I was a high schooler and I was paging through the Word and I came across this passage that, that knocked me over. It's a passage that as a, a scruffy high schooler, I, I realized the power of it because it was a passage that has a bit of mystery to it and yet a passage that has a sense of truth and power to it. It's a passage that I want to turn to this morning. It's found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. It's just one verse. One powerful verse that has been an incredible encouragement for me as I've lived my life. And I want to share it with you as uh, you think about your favorite passage. Let me share mine with you. It's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way. Did you get it? I, I, I know it might have passed by you as quickly as a bus does when you're waiting at the bus station. But, but let me read it again. A man's steps, a woman's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? What is this passage talking about? What is this passage pushing us to recognize? Well, certainly we see when we look at this text, that uh, we see here that uh, God directs our lives. It is this passage that underscores that the Lord is in control. It is the sovereign God who, who directs our lives, directs our steps. It is this Lord who is the sovereign one who gently guides us in our way. It is this great and incredible God. 
who gives us encouragement and strength to lean on His sovereign hand. Another word that we could use that's related to this word is, is a word called providence. You hear it, provide, provide. God provides, God guides, provides, cares for us. It is this God who is the God who guides our life, who gently leads us along the path that He has ordained for us. It is this God who, who, who has uh, been uh, the one who works in people's lives. I, I think of, of uh, Roger Williams, who was the founder of uh, the colony Rhode Island in the States. And Ro- Roger Williams was a Baptist for a very short amount of time. But anyway, uh, he went to Providence and founded the first city there. And do you know the name of that first city? Providence. Because he wanted people to know that it was God who led them. God who guided them. God who provided for them. The mother church of my home church back in Pennsylvania is called Providence Baptist Church. They weren't afraid to name the church Providence because they were giving praise to God and to no one else. Because it was God who led them out on that frontier at that time and provided that place. And then it was this church that sent many others out to the surrounding towns and villages and planted church by God's providence. When we look back on our lives... We can look back and and see His guiding hand, can't we? It's often the case where our vision in the back, the rearview mirror is always 20-20. But we look back and we can see how God has guided us and how He has directed our lives. I come from a non-Christian home, an alcoholic home. And out of that home I was introduced to Christ through a, a, a group of high school students who took me to a music concert. And it was at that music concert where I came to know Jesus Christ. I heard the gospel for the first time. And that church took me in and nurtured me and cared for me, discipled me, sent me off to uh, college and off to seminary and ordained me to ministry and sent me into the teaching ministry. It's that small, sweet, country Baptist church that continues to be my home church. They directed my lives through God's great hand. Isn't that the case? It is an incredible thing. But sometimes we think that uh, we're, we're in control, don't we? We think that we, uh, we are the ones who are directing our lives. I'm going to do it on my own. I remember a student came to my office one time, knocked on the door. He said, Dr. Gibson, may I speak with you? I said, sure, come on in, have a seat. Sam was his name. Sat down and it had been the end of the semester and, and Sam had a question for me. He wanted to know if I could change his grade from an A- minus to an A. And I, I said to him, I said, well, Sam, uh, uh, an A minus is an A. It's A-ish. You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's there in the ballpark. Uh, I said, there's no problem with that. Why do you want me to change a grade from an A minus to an A? He said, well, um, I, I, I want to go on and do graduate work. I want to go to Cambridge University. I don't know why you want to go there. But anyway, uh, he... he uh, I want to go on to Cambridge University and study and uh, get his doctorate. And, and uh, I knew Sam, and I knew Sam was somebody who actually uh, affirmed and believed uh, in the sovereignty of God. So I said to him, Sam, um, you believe in the sovereignty of God? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I said, well then, why are you trying to take charge of your life, even to manipulate an A minus to an A, when God is in control, and if He wants you to go to Cambridge, then He'll, he'll have you go there. And uh, do you know what he said, he said to me? 
Well, he didn't say too much because he looked at me. When I was a kid growing up, there was a television show called Lassie. And Timmy would talk to Lassie and Lassie would go, hmm, hmm. And that's what, and that's what uh, Sam did to me. Hmm. He didn't quite get it. And, and, and neither do we. Sometimes we think we are the ones who are in control. But the reality of it is, is that God is the one who directs our lives. God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one on whom we can lean and trust. And it's something that uh, we often miss. But the question is, if God directs our lives, then where do we fit in? That is, where do we fit into the equation of, of what's going on? Well, the text continues, as you see, because it's... Answers a, well, it answers with a question. A man's or woman's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? We don't have the capacity to understand what God is doing. But we're called to depend on Him. That's what this text is pushing at. This second half of this text is underscoring that we don't have the capacity to understand Him. But with all the questions that we might have, questions that we might be facing in our own lives, maybe personal illness, family illness, job loss, struggles with our our courses at school, wondering what the future is going to be like. But yet, what we're called to do, what we're asked to do, what we're encouraged to do, is to depend on Him. I remember when I was a seminary student, we had an African-American choir come to the seminary, and uh, they, they were standing on the uh, platform, probably about 50 uh, singers, and they were weaving back and forth, singing a song that has stuck in my head for years. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Word, trusting in His Holy Word. Oh, canting around, we come this far by faith. It's that remembering that we come that far by depending on Him in faith. Or uh, as the country western song, one day at a time. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of dependence on Him and recognizing who He is and what He does. Because it's not always clear, is it? It's not always clear. It's not always easy. There was a a young, beautiful, sweet little girl born to a frightened college sophomore. She had made some very bad choices and didn't know what to do. So she talked to her roommate and said, I have no idea how I'm going to deal with this. Roommate talked with her and said, maybe you could go and live with my parents out in Utah and they'll... they'll care for you and, until the baby comes. This roommate had a cousin and her husband who were praying that God would provide them with a little girl. And when this baby was born, as they were depending on God for his provision, this baby was born, they contacted the roommate's cousin and asked if uh, they would like to adopt this little girl. And they did. They took her into their home and cared for her and loved her. Led her to Jesus Christ. She went off to college and then eventually got a master's degree. 
And then she married a preacher. She married me. It's my wife, my lovely wife, Rhonda. We depend on Him. It is that reality that comes staring at us that sometimes we don't always get. So when we look at this text, when we look at the incredible uh, power of this text, the question we ask ourselves is, what is what is this text getting at? What is it pushing us to recognize? It is this. God directs our lives and we depend on Him. God directs our lives and we depend on Him. It is this truth actually, a truth that is found throughout the entire fabric of Scripture. It is a truth that is woven into the the pages of the Scripture. You see it in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. You see it in Proverbs 19, 21. You see it in Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever. John 14, 1. Trust God, trust also on me. 1 Peter 2, 6. And the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. It is this, this reality that we are called to do and to be. That is, God directs our lives and we depend on Him. It is something that we, we want to hold on to and, and recognize because that is the truth that we see pounded away, pulsating again in Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. I went to see Alice one day, and my first pastor, and I, I was uh, going to the hospital to see Alice. Alice was there suffering from some heart difficulty. She was having a, a, a tough time breathing. She was frightened. Alice had uh, come to faith in Christ years before, but she had made some not great choices. She married a non-Christian, and her marriage was very difficult all throughout the many years she uh, was married. Her kids, they had no um, faith in Christ at all, and they were trouble and in trouble. And there she was, sick as anything, laying in the hospital bed, and I walked into the room and I could see that she was frightened. And I sat next to her and I started to talk to her. And we went through the choices that she's made and the decisions and the kids and the sickness. And I said to her, Alice, what you can do is, is hope in God through all of this. She turned to me and you know what she said to me? That's all I have. That's all I have. That's all any of us have. Is that we look to our great God and and trust our great God to do His work in us and help us. Because we're dependent on Him. God directs our lives and we depend on Him. I know when we're facing the difficulties, when we're looking at difficulties square in the eye, sometimes it's hard for us to repeat the truth of this text. But it is the promise of favorite texts like this that help us to navigate the tough seas of life. God directs our lives and we depend on Him. A few years ago, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were closing up shop. They had a restaurant for 28 years. Uh, They had... uh, Founded it with their brother-in-law, and um, they specialized in charcoal hamburgers and hot dogs, and for dessert, homemade 
pie. I'm kidding, not kidding you. It was, it was delicious, okay? And for years, those 28 years, they worked hard. They put their shoulder to the wheel and, and, and put everything into that restaurant. Some years they did well, other years they didn't. But my father-in-law always paid his employee first, and then he paid himself. And sometimes he didn't get paid. But it was time, they said, to close it up. And they tried to find somebody to take over the restaurant. Well, if you know anything about restaurants, restaurants don't have a record of lasting long. The record is six months after they open. They close down quite quickly. So they talked to uh, some sisters who were interested. Nah, they didn't uh, think they were interested, but they talked to a young man, his father, and they said they'd open it up, so they changed the name. It was the B&B Charcoal Grill. Then they changed the name to, um, uh, oh, um, some, uh, the Redneck Grill. Okay. <laughs> It only lasted six months. <laughs> then they had to find somebody else because they couldn't sell it to them. They said they would do a lease-to-buy type of program, so they found somebody else who rented it for a while, and then that person closed it up after about eight years, and then finally somebody has bought it. But in the meantime, my father-in-law was working at the restaurant from 4 to 11, and then from 12 to 7, he worked as a janitor in a uh, school. And he was able to have uh, health benefits and so forth. So when things got transitioned over, he worked as this uh, janitor and had, for a few years, received benefits. And uh, it, it was great. But it was tough. But if you would ask them if uh, they had lost heart, they would say no. They would say the truth of this text. God directs our lives and we depend on him. And that's all that we have. That's all any of us have throughout the, 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 the experiences of our own lives. And if anything, we can learn from my wife Rhonda's experience or Sam's experience or my in-law's experience. We recognize that we can trust in a sovereign God who cares for us every step of the way. Because the truth of this text is real. And it is so powerfully encouraging. It is this. God directs our lives. And we 